0: back to Get With The Programme. We've been gone for a year but we're back and we've got a small sporadic season of episodes uh, coming up for you. Um, I'd also like to welcome Sarah who is new Hello. to the podcast. Hi Sarah. Hi. Uh, So, what's what's this episode going to be about?
1: So this episode uh, is a recording of a very special panel that happened at our New Voice Awards on the 26th of February of this year, 2019, um, at Rich Mix in London's East End.
0: It was a fun night.
1: (laughs) It was a fun night. Um, It was busy. There were lots of uh, cool people there. Um, We all had a great time. Um, But we all started with uh, this panel. Um, which was chaired by Brian Minchin, who uh, for many years was an executive producer uh, of a little program called Doctor Who. I don't know if you've heard of it.
0: I think somewhat. I think yeah. like he's like a doctor yeah, it's like a, in a small village. Yeah, it's a
1: medical drama, I yeah. think. Um, he now works for Hartswood West uh, and, among other things, is producing an adaptation of The Time Traveller's Wife for Netflix. That's exciting. Which is very exciting and a very Uh, nice man and a very nice man um the panel was uh made up of three writers all fairly young um but doing really well uh daniel lawrence taylor who's uh comedy for itv2 time wasters is coming back i think it's back now it's back it's back it's back back. Back for a second season uh sophie petzel who is an alumni, alumni of our scheme wants to watch, which you're going to hear about shortly, uh, and who created Blood, which was on Channel Five towards the end of last year, uh, and Shivani Tusu, who won our new script award last year and is now developing various bits and pieces in the comedy sphere.
0: Yeah, and it was it was a fun panel, lots of. Kind of people giving up goods on how things actually work. It was nice and yeah. everyone was very entertaining, I thought.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully you'll find out if you carry on listening.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and as Sarah said, a New Voice Awards is not the only thing we do, that's something that we've just wrapped up. But we are fully open for applications at the moment for our two schemes, and one of those is ones to watch. So if you've got at least three years experience in the industry um and you're looking to kind of make your next move in your career um and you're very passionate about giving back to the industry and helping you entrance then wants to watch is a fantastic scheme um i'm not going to bore you with all the details but it's not boring it's actually lots of fun and exciting and will completely change your lives and i'm not just saying that it really will but go on to our website you can go to wants-to-watch-tv.co.uk and you'll find out all the details about how to apply and what we're looking for. And we've got 30 places to offer up in Edinburgh. You get a pass, you get accommodation, you get 29 new friends, unless you're really antisocial, in which case you probably shouldn't do it. Um, But that's just one of our schemes. The other scheme is the network. The
1: network. So if you're listening to this and because you love TV... And You'd love to work in TV, but you're not quite sure how to start. The network is for you. We take 60 people on the network every year. It's totally free um, and entry level. You don't have to have any experience already. You just have to be super passionate about TV and have a lot uh, to offer to the industry. Um, applications are also open for the network now and uh, close on the 7th of May. Uh, you get your co- accommodation in edinburgh um and four days of special workshops and panels and masterclasses uh and we can't say 59 new friends because that's pretty that's that would be that's more friends. a lot of nobody should have that many friends but I think definitely a few
0: yeah you'll make yeah. loads
1: definitely yeah. um yeah
0: so that's kind of us and hopefully you'll get to meet me and or sarah um over the coming months and if you've got any questions uh you can email talent schemes at the tv festival dot com i nearly forgot it was, .com <laughs> or i mean we're in the uk it's dot com it's fine yeah dot uh, yeah. edu dot org yeah dot yeah. biz <laughs> uh, so yeah do you want to Uh, cue this up
1: so now we're going to hand you over to our panel um lots of good advice for aspiring writers and uh current writers in there so hopefully you'll enjoy
0: great and we'll see slash hear you'll hear us soon (laughs)
1: bye bye
2: thank you so much Uh, It's really an honour to be here today in a room full of the best people, which are writers, as you know. Um, As you said, I work for Hartswood in Wales. As a company, like every production company, we spend a lot of time looking for new talent, new voices, and a lot of time talking about how do we find, how do we develop them. Um, Working, looking for new Welsh writers, specifically we work with Skillset and BBC Writers Room. And what I found in that process is just how many great new voices there are out there and I think as an industry, it can often feel like it's very, really, really hard to get in through the door. But all of us producers, all of us production companies, the distributors, and some of which are here now, we're all looking for brilliant ideas, brilliant writers. So it'd be a great opportunity today to hear from our great panelists and also from all of you out there of like anything we can do to make it easier to make your ideas hit the screen. We're all going to benefit from that. So, just to introduce them, we've got the amazing Sophie Petzal, creator of Blood. On the Daniel Lawrence Taylor, creator of Time Wasters, ITV2 actor and writer, and Shivani Tissu, uh, comedian, actor, and the winner of last year's New Voices Award at this event here. And I think all of you have had quite different routes into becoming writers for TV. So what would be great, I think, for everyone to hear is just kind of how you got that first, how you made those first steps to becoming a TV writer. They're all very shy because they're writers, so I'm going to pick on Sophie first.
3: Pick up the, is this working yet? (laughs) um so i went to university to study screenwriting for film and television i went to bournemouth university um in my second year i ended up on the bbc production traineeship um i say ended up you have to apply and it took forever but that's where i ended up and um by way of that became a script editor at cbbc which was valuable getting production experiences influenced me as a writer more than almost anything else and um because at the same time I was still writing and I'd won a couple of competitions. I think I'd won the Peter Istinov script writing competition at the same time. I was offered like a 15-minute mini episode of a CBBC show called Wolfblood on iPlayer um, to write as a kind of first stab at it. And then that went well. And then I uh, was asked if I wanted to do a couple of episodes of the next season. And I did that. And then as a result, like the great thing about CBBC at that time... Um, I mean um, it might still be the same I I just don't know Um, um, was that if you kind of did well in one you just got shoved from pillar to post so I then ended up working on a whole sequence of um, CBBC shows from Hetty Feather, Wolfblood, Danger Mouse Dumping Ground um, and a producer I'd worked with very closely on Hetty and Wolfblood went on to Jacqueline Hyde at ITV which is how I ended up on Jacqueline Hyde at ITV and then it kind of just moved from there really so that's a potted history
2: and and if you think back to that time, did you always know that writing was what you were going to do? When you were working as a script editor with other writers, was it always were you going home and writing, or were you? Was that...
3: um, I mean, I, I I fell in love with script editing and working in production while I was doing that. I wasn't sort of I've, i and when I took my first job at CBBC, I very much approached it with the mindset of I'm going to give this a really really intensive um, 100% go. Um, I'm not going to be the script editor who secretly really wants to be a writer. So I, uh, so I kind of parked everything for a little bit and then kind of had a bit of a panic 18 months in after I'd done my first series of Wolfblood, which I just adored thinking I could easily do this for another 20 years Mm. and then think I never really gave writing a go. I never really gave myself a chance to fail. Um, so while I'm young and have no, um, dependence and no sense of responsibility or or sensibility um, I um I should give it a go and it was at that point then when I was basically threatening to leave to take six months out to write a script um, that uh, Foz Allen who was at CBBC at the time said well instead of that why don't you just write two episodes of Wolf Blood and two episodes of Hetty Feather so I was you know that was a very key relationship for me and, um, and, and I was very lucky that I was there working there at the same time as he was and that I was at the point where I was when he was there, and so, so no, I never, I never put writing down. Writing was always what I grew up wanting to do. It was the only thing I ever wanted to do. Script editing kind of was an, a, a very satisfying way to scratch that itch. It was an incredibly creative job um, in that capacity and at CBBC at that time. Um, but it did occur to me, like, come on, you you went into this to do one yeah. thing, and you need to give that a fair shot. And so, I haven't yet. Come crashing down, but it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's <Aww>. coming. <laughs>
2: well, it certainly worked out. So, and was so it far. once you'd got once you'd got over that first nervous, I'm going to show everyone my scripts, who I'm working with. Did you find people were quite supportive? Was it anxious? Um, the
3: most nerve-wracking one? Because I'd never really. I, the great thing about going to, um, I think it's a similar comparison to the network and to ones to watch. The great thing about doing a kind of film writing course was mainly I was just surrounded by other people who wanted to do the same thing. And so we all were just desperate narcissists showing each other our, <laughs> our great works, um, which were all shit. And um, But we had no shame. <laughs> yeah. And and I think being surrounded by peers who are equally as kind of crap and inexperienced as you is you just lose your, your sense of shame. And so I never really had a problem sharing material with my peers and taking their notes. Um, the f- most terrifying one for me was when I got the BBC production traineeship and I was assigned a mentor. And that mentor was John York, who um, at the time was the head of, I think the head of, continuing drama at the BBC something like that and 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 is now I think the executive producer of. I I don't know but um but he's a big script guy and was the big head honcho at the BBC and 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 um somebody at the scheme sent him my script or I think he said now that I'm your mentor you must I've heard you're a writer send me a script and I remember thinking I, I was like 19 I was like okay well it's going to be over very quickly <laughs> or start very quickly. Like, either way, let's just rip this plaster off and find out if a real person actually thinks you can do it. And he really liked the script. And I remember after that kind of feeling like, oh, okay, I have a right to try. I'm not fake. I'm, I have as much of a right to give this a go as anybody else. And so that was the most like, terrifying moment. But after that, it kind of, I felt a bit more like I had a right to be in the room, I think.
2: I think that's good. I think that's really useful. Often people talk about not feeling entitled Mm. to do that and and to have this job, when if you've got great ideas and can, if you can look at a blank page and fill it, then you are a writer. Could I ask the same question to to Daniel, how you became a TV writer? Uh,
4: Yeah, sure. Uh, So I I went to university at Royal Holloway where I just studied um, drama and theatre and I met um, a friend who we both really wanted to do... uh, a comedy show together. So we uh, our intention was to write a, an Edinburgh show just to take up to Edinburgh, but we found what we did, worked on uh, the stand-up circuit. So we became stand-up comedians. Then um, through stand-up comedy, we were given an opportunity to write a short for E4 um, based on our characters, which was called The Musical Storytellers, Ginger and Black. And... Uh, that was my first. I think that was my first thing for television, wow. and then I remember. Um, right, did that get
2: made? <coughs> yeah, did yeah, yeah. So obviously, it's my favourite thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> uh, no, it got made. So it was just like a, a one-off. They were a bit like. Um, uh, now they've got. What have they got on E4 now? They're like. They're not comedy f- comedy feeds for BBC, but E4 have their own version. I can't, blaps. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. So it was like blaps before blaps. Uh, so we did that, and then we also did one for Sky Atlantic called Common Ground, which was like ten ten minute shorts. Uh, and then, and then a few years after that, uh, that's when I kind of decided to go away and write my own show, and I wrote Time Wasters. Yes. Yeah.
2: And in your experience, did you find doing the short form stuff really useful, or was it hard? Was it? Yeah, it was really useful because I suppose like
4: when you're writing for television, there's uh, a structure that you kind of you have to stick to like producers and execs will always make you stick to a certain type of structure which is yeah very it's annoying yeah <laughs> uh because it's odd because I used to do a lot of playwriting as well where you were with plays you can do anything do I mean whereas with television you have to hit certain key points at a time so doing those 10 minute shorts kind of helped us kind of Understand like narratives and characters because normally we would write a lot for ourselves, but writing for other actors as well, so it kind of helped us hone our skills in that way.
2: Because it's quite interesting, because we we'll go going to talk about it a bit, but it was a it was a leap straight from writing but kind of a short form to having this big hit show, which is coming back, I believe.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, series two, March the eleventh, so <laughs> if everyone could watch that. Thank you, ITV two. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and so. Um, and then could you and how did time wasters come about? Because it's interesting because I'm sure people here if when you're beginning to pitch stuff, it can be a bit confusing as to how to actually get shows through to the right people. And what was your route with that idea?
4: Yeah, so for me, uh I I was acting in another show for ITV2. Um and I'll go back a few steps actually. So I had the idea for the show and if you don't know it's like it's about an all-black jazz band that goes back in time to the 1920s. So it's a fucking stupid idea. Like (laughs) It's ridiculous. And so uh, a lot of people write treatments, but I thought it would probably be easier, partly for the idea of the show, but also because I was a new writer, just to write the script. So I didn't spend ages on it. I just kind of wrote out the characters, the story, kind of the beginning, middle, and end, which has pretty much stayed the same off the first episode. Um, But I just thought that that would be an easier way to kind of show people exactly what it is. Do you know what I mean? Uh, So I I put that on paper and the producer I was working with, I gave it to him and he really liked it. Uh, And then so he gave it to his exec. They really liked it. And then they gave me a bit of money to, they gave me a bit of money and a script editor to go away and work on the script. And then we sent it to ITV. They really liked it. And then it was... They gave us money to do a rehearsed reading. So we did that for the channel. And then they gave us money to make a pilot. And then it became a series.
2: So you went through all the stages you possibly could. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. It was quite a long process. Like, it was draining. Uh, But... Did you ever lose
2: faith? Or were you... uh,
4: No, weirdly. I was quite... (laughs) (laughs) arrogantly i was quite confident like <laughs> i i i knew it was a good idea i didn't know if it would go to series but i knew like the kind of shows that were on and the kind of shows that i knew were coming up but like the show i was acting in was called cockroaches and it was quite high concept and even though it didn't do very well people were quite excited about it because it was much different to all the other sitcoms that were on at the time most sitcoms were at the time, we were all like flat shares and workplace comedies, so I knew that there would be a place for it. Yeah. So, so yeah, and and I, I thought it was really good as well. So I was quite <laughs> weirdly, I was like quietly confident
2: about it. And Shivani,
5: hi. So
2: you've been a stand-up and a comedian, I think. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm not stand-up. Not stand-up. Just to oh, clarify,
5: sorry. Um, but uh, <laughs> I knew I'd get something wrong. I no, 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 no. Uh, happens a lot. Um, no, I, I think I had quite a weird way of doing things where I didn't... I remember, because I didn't study, um, like, screenwriting or, or drama or anything at university, I studied politics, and... Um, r- really useful, actually. Um, <laughs> but, like, what what I did... I remember, because I was not studying it, but I was always, like, wanting to write and perform, I, I kind of doubled down on um, doing... Ec- I applied for, like, all the... Also, growing up in London, I was really lucky because I just applied for a lot of, like young people schemes and I just, and they're all free and it's so, so nice. So I was like, I did like, um I had a year in the poetry world. Uh, I read a lot of, uh, and that, I think that really has informed my writing actually. I read a lot of poems for a whole year as a Barbican poet and then I like did some sketch writing at Soho Theatre for the young company and all these things like uh, helped me learn different forms of writing but I always knew I wanted to like uh do c- kind of I mean, I was watching a lot of TV basically, and I was like, I want to do this, and um, but I just had no idea how. And no, also, I was like, oh, it's too late for me. I got a degree in politics, so I'm gonna have to try and uh, sort this out. But um, yeah, so then what happened was, I um, sometimes you need a bit of anonymity to pursue. Like, I actually went on. A, this is really long. Sorry. I, I, I went on like a year abroad as part of my degree to Paris. It's not a big (laughs) deal, but, like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) very cool. Um, Paris? You've been to Paris? I've been to Paris multiple times. (laughs) Um, And what happened was, when I was there, because I was, like, completely anonymous, I was like, I'm going to put on a play, and no one can stop me, because no one knows that I'm not a playwright-slash- so then I put on a play and that just gave me this confidence to be like well I put on one play I could you know keep going and then I I got really into because I was watching a lot of American TV and I was looking at their their roots it's like very much through learning about improvisation and improv that's how people get into comedy in America and all these TV shows are written by improvisers and now some really amazing high concept stuff like Get Out is written by an improviser and all like the best stuff now and the reason for that is because like you really learn how to write on your feet in a very different way. So if anyone's a writer, but they're like, oh, I can't sit and just write, it's such a good way to, like, get out of your head. So I started doing a lot of improv, and that led me to sketch. And then um, what happened was I went to um, a clown school, and I fell off my bike and had a very serious accident, (laughs) okay? (laughs) It's funny. Um, (laughs) um, And on the last night, and I was physically basically disabled... I, I, I like completely lost control of my arm for a year, my right arm, which is my writing arm. Um, and be- I was a piano teacher at the time as so well. I was a very bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what happened was, because I couldn't work as a piano teacher, I mean, I would go there and just like, they were like, we don't know if you're ever going to play again. Uh, it was, I not not. Really, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> this is like really upsetting. <laughs> sorry, no, it's, look, I'm here now and look, I'm fine. But um, what happened was, because I had, like you said, like sometimes you need a bit of time off. I don't know, I, I, I'd never thought I'd never had the time to write a whole script. But here's what happened. Basically, I was I wrote a script like this, okay, and it just like because <laughs> I had time off from teaching, it took me like I had like maybe a month off, and so I just was like, Well, I never I'd been meaning to write a script for a long time. And I just did it. And it it was fine. And I submitted it for writers the BBC Writers Room competition. Um and I submitted it for the BAFTA rowcliffe thing. Um and it didn't go anywhere, really. I think with the writers room, maybe I got to the next stage. But then I submitted it for this, like, one minute before the deadline, really. Because uh, I was like, well, I've got the script now. I just do it. And then I won. And it completely changed my life. Re- genuinely, like, my life is so different. I mean, I still have no... Like, no pressure
2: for later. Yeah.
5: But really, it's mad. Because I could have wandered through. I mean, I was doing live comedy and stuff. But you can. I had no access to getting an agent, really, or anything like that. And then... Because uh, I met Hannah Griffiths, who was presenting me with the award who's just the most amazing person I' ever met really, and completely genuinely changed my life and I would do anything for you, Hannah, because you have completely um, i my life is completely different now in many ways, and i, I so I, what happened was I won this award i I really didn 't think I was going to win as well because i um uh it was like the lot <laughs> <laughs> it was the last award of the night. I got very drunk because I was like, oh, care. I'm not going to win." There was like ten nominees. I was like, "It'll be fine." Um, did I don't know if anyone saw my speech last year? Went down in history uh, as the, the, the drunkest speech ever. And then it smashed the awards. And then everyone was coming up to me, and by mistake, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I thought going to not going to be like this. Okay. Anyway, basically, what happened was then I met with a lot of agents. I know I met with one agent who was really great, who at Curtis Brown, which is. But the reason I only I got signed, I think, is because I had stuff that I'd filmed myself. Mm. I'm a bit of a different because I'm a right performer, so I'd made all these weird videos on my own, and I had a script to show her, and I had um, videos to show her, and so I already like, and I had another script to show her, basically. And
2: if you are a writer performer, do you think that's a really useful thing to do? to be able to present kind of rough workings you've done yourself.
5: Definitely. I would say, especially if you're a new writer, if you can film anything, even on your phone, because a lot of the time what I've noticed about being in, in the world of TV now, um, what I've noticed is, like, it's very hard, I think, to portray tone, and especially with comedy. Uh, everything is in the relationship and the performance. So I like to, like... It's been very useful for me to have stuff to be like, this is what I'm like. Take early. <laughs> um, I think if you are... Yeah, writing stuff. I the reason I started writing is because I wanted to b- perform, and I was like, I need to. No one's gonna. I can't act, so uh, well, I can, but only very sp- in a specific way. So <laughs> I was like, I need to write for myself. Um, and it, yeah, it's and it's the future now. Like every, you know, you know, you know. But it's uh, like, uh, yeah. Also, it's very fun. I don't know. Yeah.
2: And is that an approach you're taking to your development? You're doing now. Do you write and do you perform? Yeah, I'm writing.
5: I'm like, this is you have to cast me in this, okay? <laughs> I'm writing. For, I'm writing all the scripts that I'm writing, in that are in development. I'm writing, as a performer as well. And I, 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 I want to. I mean, I can write. I, I want to write for other characters as well. But I, I mean, because I'm in the comedy world a bit. Like, <laughs> um, I write. What I find useful for writing is like writing people I know and. W- their specific voices, writing for them. So then it, it actually the, the kind of specificity of their voices maybe comes across and works for me if the producers know who they are and they're like, oh, yeah, they do sound like that.
2: I think that's really useful, especially in comedy when everyone's looking for that proof of, is it really funny? Is it going to work? Yes. And we can show it. So going back to Sophie, if we talk a little bit about Blood, which has been a fantastic hit show on ch- Channel 5, which is out in November. Was it November? Yeah, November. October. Yeah. And you've been writing on so many other shows and uh, Last Kingdom, Medici, and you've been in the development world for a few years. What was it you think that made Blood show be show become your first show to get away?
3: Um, she won't thank me for saying this, but my um, my agent, my then agent, who since uh, moved on to producing. Um, <laughs> When when I first wrote that idea up as a half page that I'd spitball chatted about with my best friend and the producer of the show Jonathan Fisher, um, and we were me myself and my then agent were um, going through a list of things that I needed to prioritize, and she said this one. like, this is nothing really, isn't it? It's just an idea. So let's just put that on the back burner. Um, <laughs> and it genuinely was. I had, like, a really high-concept pilot with Netflix. I, I was like, you were doing all the fancy, oh, you're new and young and female, and let's do you for a minute. And um, and so I was like... I we didn't say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, within reason. And um, uh, in a totally appropriate way. And, um, uh, yeah, so I was doing a lot of, like, stupid expensive stuff that was never going to go anywhere. Meanwhile, um This little idea was sitting in the back pocket, and sort of out of nowhere, Jonathan had a meeting um, with a producer who had a connection to BBC Northern Ireland, and they were talking about what they were looking for. And um, and because my so this idea was loosely kind of rooted in my mum's my mum's family, and my and they all my 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 mum my mum is Irish, um, and where they lived was sort of where they lived. It was set there, and it was me digging into kind of memories of big Irish Catholic families who never, who, who, uh, who have massive issues that would never have been there if one of them had just said, oh, by the way, last week I told blah X. But because no one is open about their feelings after a certain age, like gr- growing up in the 60s or the 70s in Ireland, um, there were then these enormous, cantankerous um, family issues. And so I was writing about that. And um, so anyway, this... Jonathan's like, oh, we have an idea for for that, and in about a week had a meeting with um uh with the BBC, and um I probably sh- I've realised I've shot myself in the foot here. It wasn't with the BBC in the end, but these yeah. things happen. Um, but yeah, anyway, long s- so that script got commissioned, and therefore it became suddenly a priority, and I wrote it, and it was m- the most personal. Thing I think I've ever written, and I Mm. think that was probably why, in the end. I mean, it didn't. So it didn't have a home with the BBC. Eventually, these things happen. Um, But uh, it ended up in like all sorts of places for a while until it ended up with all three media and Virgin Media um, and Channel Five. And um, I think, but everyone who ever read it always really responded to it Mm. in a way that, like, you can write stuff that you feel like you've written really, really well, and people agree that it's written very well. But so a lot of other things. And I think when you've genuinely—and it's not to say that everything you write has to be a, you cannibalizing your own trauma—but um, <laughs> um, though it can be lucrative, um, <laughs> it's it's mainly I, I think I think re- making it personal in some way, even if you are writing about space goats, like th- th- if making it about your like your your trauma inside the mind of a space goat, I think people are going to respond to that in a way that they won't if, if you're just writing something really well that's a good idea because it's cool and I think yeah so Blood was very very personal yeah. and I think like loads of people can write everyone can write a uh, 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 like a six part that goes out um, about a, a miserable family but this was my version of this <laughs> that I don't yeah. think anyone else could have probably done and I think that was probably why also it was cheap yeah. um, <laughs> uh, cheap and I was cheap and not anymore <laughs> And, and that was
2: it. And it, it does happen a surprising amount that a channel will develop an idea, which but by the time it comes to lighting. it... I'm going to get so told off for but saying then, that. But but I, <laughs> I mean, I was saying, like, so many shows, which we won't mention, <laughs> uh, but it just doesn't happen to suit that, to what that channel needs, that particular point of time. It's not a reflection on the show. It's really hard for people to accept that, but it's just, it's just one of those things. So it does move yeah. around quite a lot.
3: Oh, oh always, always. Um most things by the time you see them on television are probably in their third or fourth home like it, it's and I, th- I think it rolled off my tongue so easily even though i'm going to get told off for it because no. it's, it's not a big issue it wasn't a big issue it's like these things Thanks. just happen and you have great relationships but it's not yeah. there for it ended time. up
2: in the right place oh so uh,
3: i absolutely absolutely and i think the fact that we made it in ireland for an irish cha- uh, irish channel it was you know, channel channel five were involved and um you know were great partners but like we made it with virgin media who are uh, virgin media who are based in our uh, virgin media Ireland. sorry so um um we had who were formerly tv3 so we had a very an irish home and we just sort of we all just moved away for four months and made the thing and it felt incredibly incubated and very loved and so the whole way through and we were just left alone because we were a show that cost nobody that cost nothing really um and 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 in in, in comparison to you know a year, Eighty million pound shows on BBC or whatever or on Sky Atlantic, um, but so so no one was. Re- we were just allowed to get on doing what we want. Myself twenty eight, the producer twenty nine, which was to kind of every now and again we'd look at each other going like, why are we being allowed to do this? <laughs> and and I, the, and because we were the conditions of the uh, the conditions of the thing where we had to go out before the year was over. So we'd made we'd made it in the summer. It was going out in October. There was no chance for anybody to tell us that it didn't work. All for us to even figure out whether it worked or not, and so by the time it was going out, I just had this overwhelming panic of why have we done this? Why has anyone allowed us to do this? But yeah, so it, it, I think he ended up in the perfect home, mm. um, even though like it's always disappointing when a thing doesn't work out at first, isn't it? But um, it ended up where it needed to be, and um, I think it benefited enormously yeah. from that. Well, that's fantastic.
2: And Daniel, having been through the process of kind of making all of season one and two. Is there any kind of advice you wish you'd been given kind of before you went in or started off?
4: Uh, yeah, what, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, as in, like, uh, yeah, a few things. I think, um, uh, it's weird, like, a lot of the times it's just you just have to go through it, it's like on the job training, like, you just have to, you don't really have a choice. Uh, I think, um, I wish that I I had someone who, uh, I wish I had someone to turn to. I think like a mentor. I think if if there's anyone out there, <coughs> anyone out there. <laughs> um, I know getting tearful remembering it. Uh, but no, because I remember like it was quite a hard journey because it's quite a lonely journey as well. Uh, like I had this very big idea. Uh, not only was it a big idea, but Uh, There weren't really any uh, black characters on screen at the time. I think there was chewing gum, but that was it. Uh, I was in rooms where I was the only person of color in the room. So not only was I telling stories that were very personal, but I didn't really have anyone to kind of turn to, to kind of go, is this right? Is this correct? And uh, so I wish I had... More people like that now. Now that I'm doing later series, now I try to get more people of colour into the room. Yeah. I think I wish I would have been a bit more outspoken about that at the beginning as well. Because a lot of people are saying, oh, don't worry. No, that's a lie. It's not that people were telling me not to worry about that, but it wasn't other people's concern, and it was a big concern yeah. of mine. So I'm trying to change that for the third series now. Um... Yeah, I suppose, yeah, mental. If if you ever have the opportunity, when you go into these things, like one of the actors in my show, Samson, he's now writing his own TV show, uh, which comes out in a few months. And whenever he has any problems, he always calls me. Like, even if they're not problems, he just runs it by me. Because, like, I remember the first time I was in an edit and no one warned me what a first edit would look like and yeah and (laughs) I was almost in tears (laughs) yeah Yeah. but it just looked like I was being rude because I was like I didn't even know where to begin with notes because I was like this is terrible and it
2: and it it, deal with the emotion first yeah yeah I,
4: I had to I had to go away and then speak to I had like another friend who was a producer and she had to kind of calm me down but that was not until after I went to the edit. So when I saw my friend Samson, he came out and he was like, Daniel, I just saw the first edit. And I was like, mate, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went through the exact same thing. Yeah. So like...
2: So being uh, part of the community is
4: Yeah, really yeah. I think that's really, really helpful. So I wish I had... Yeah, it's that, like linking yourself with people and not being afraid to ask questions. And like I was... My biggest thing was I always felt... Uh, I had imposter syndrome. So I always felt a bit like... Uh, I wasn't allowed to ask questions, or if I did, I didn't want to be seen as being difficult. Or do you know what I mean? Hmm. Uh, but now, in hindsight, yeah, now I'm much more like, why is this happening? And do you yeah.
2: Know what I mean, yeah, yeah? And Giovanni, your kind of stage of your writer journey are the things that kind of uh, would have been useful to have known, like this time last year, or mm. do you think it's?
5: Um, yeah, well, it's all uh, quite a new. Me, so when I've been, I, I was lucky to get like a lot of general meetings, and I didn't really know how, what that meant. Um, but one yeah, thing that'd
2: be good to talk about, like, yeah, like when you get a general <laughs> when you, meeting, when
5: you just uh, when you're just like, oh, how do you kind of find yeah. that, how
2: do you prepare for those now? You've been to a few of them, how uh, do
5: you... okay, yeah. Well, um, I well, I like to uh, well, what I've learned now is uh, well, because <laughs> I just thought at the beginning, I was like, this is never, I'm never gonna get a chance to do this again. I, I got 50 ideas. You know, I was like, I'll just go in and give them everything. Um, and now I very much like research the company and like work out what their tone is and what which ideas would be suited mm. um, to which companies. I think that's the the thing I've learned. Um Also, I mean, I need to, I want to get better at this. Uh, but just being able to succinctly say some, sell something in a in a line or two lines, um, and also knowing what kind of ideas work for what formats and uh, bec- because I have come from a comedy background a lot of the time I'm like this is a sketch actually works <laughs> tried to make a series out of clearly what is a sketch a three minute sketch <laughs> um, so that's been really useful to like understand what ideas work well for what format so now when I try and think when I have an idea I'll be like is this a sketch or is this um, g- can I basically then the way I do that someone told me it's a really good idea is like can you see an ending? For the, it, does it, is it a good enough idea that it has an ending, basically? Or what's the reveal a lot of the time? Or, you know, or, and also, yeah, will it be able to generate enough story? Um, another thing I'm trying to think in terms of what is useful. Uh, I, yeah, learning how to pitch your... I, I'm very bad at performing professionalism. I don't know if um But, like, I am really trying... <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> like navigating that has been quite difficult to me I also always love to have a debate about like race and stuff and that's been good uh, sometimes but I feel like you need to pick your battle sometimes, I don't know ah, that? Okay, no, I you it's good.
2: So I think we're running a bit short on time so I think we've got some time for some questions I'm not quite sure how much time have we got? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. So, so if there's questions. If there's not, I'll start off. I've
4: got a question for Shivani. Could you talk more about um, what you said about navigating professionalism when you're going to those meetings and stuff? And talking okay. about race and that.
5: <laughs> um, well, I... Uh, I uh, I don't know I'm like really weird person so um like I and also because I was like a, te- a piano teacher for four years and I just saw like kids I just never like didn't have sorry it's not what you mean but like <laughs> the nor- the social norms I, I, I feel like I hadn't been in many professional spaces basically and I I think I come across as quite informal sometimes and it can either really work, especially for comedy, or really backfire. Like I had a meeting. Oh wait, no. <laughs> 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 Don't. Tell I you mean, later.
2: I mean, I would also say that. I'd also say it's something that everyone's aware writers are nervous about when we come into a room, and think the expectations of professional behaviour are very wildly. So, I mean, a lot of, the ideal state for a lot of really successful writers is being in a room by themselves and never seeing anyone. So, so people are aware that that's not, it's not, um, meetings are going to take different tones. So, I wouldn't, but yes, I know it's a thing you can, you you still want to win people over, don't you? Yeah.
5: That's all right. I can, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that.
2: Um, But we should talk a little bit about race because you you brought it up, you brought it up, and one thing we were going to talk about was, there's was a lot of talk in the industry about being more open to diverse voices, to encouraging people from underrepresented groups, and I wondered if you felt that was moving in the right direction, if there's enough being done. Um, Daniel, I'm picking on you, I'm looking at you and Sophie, it's just...
4: Yeah, I think um, there's definitely like a shift now. Uh, I think when my show first came out, like I said, it was just it was just chewing gum whereas now there's a lot more uh there's like enterprise that's just come out this is just comedy enterprise and I think sunny d and uh man like Mobeen like yeah there's a few more so i think there's definitely like a uh a gear shift i think now the aim is just to I suppose just to keep the conversation going because i think like I've been doing it for quite a while now and every now and again there's kind of like a little spike and then it disappears and it spikes and then it disappears. So I think people are more aware and they're realising that there's so many more stories out there to be told. So I think there is definitely a shift, yeah.
3: Um, I'm always slightly um, concerned that at the top level we're still just seeing the same kinds of people and every now and again they'll get swept up in the zeitgeist or if you know us down below are uniting to to point up and go for god's sake like where are the people telling these stories and where are the communities being represented on this channel at this time in prime time mainstream blah 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 and so every now and again we can shame the top echelons enough into making temporary short term t- changes and then, like you say, there's a spike and then a dissipation and then a spike and then a dissipation, depending on how much we're, of all communities, um, prostrating ourselves and putting on our necks on the line, signing letters and what have you um, to try and make change. But until people are, hi- yeah, and people hire in their own image and what our, our idea of what is a safe bet versus our idea of what is not a safe bet almost always is like reflected on our own image. Like, a safe bet is almost always a 45-year-old white guy called Dave. <laughs> Even though Dave has made flop after flop after flop, um, they've worked with Dave and they know that Dave turns in on time. Um, and, and, and until kind of those people start to look different and sound different, I feel like it's only ever going to be spikes and troughs. And, uh, but, but I'm a, a cynic... And a terrible pessimist. So, but yeah, that's, I always feel like until we're starting to see more diversity upstairs, we're always going to be just hoping that it is a change rather than knowing it will be. I don't know, that's my slightly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pessimistic view.
2: Over the microphone, come.
6: Thank
1: you, thank you. Hello. They found uh, you. Yeah. Um, so I haven't seen Blood, but I'm really interested to watch it. You said that you wrote it, it as a very personal experience for you. How did you find the casting process for that? Because you're clearly writing for characters that you know and have grown up
3: with. Ooh, I, I'm always at pains to say nobody in my actual family killed anyone. LAUGHTER um, <laughs> Yeah, um, Uncle Michael, it's not based on you, I promise. Uh, uh, but um, So I was also very privileged to be an executive producer on the show, which is quite an important. Like it, it sounds like just... And in many ways, it is just a title, but in contractual terms for writers, that means you have a more than meaningful say on all creative decisions. So I have power of veto on casting, on our uh, head of D, our DOPs and directors. Um, I, I, I have the right to be an arsehole that you will hopefully... <laughs> not use um, but uh, yeah so casting I found thrilling that was one of my favorite parts because first of all like you know actors bring such different dynamics and dimensions to characters that you didn't even see you know the character of Kat, who's the lead in um, in in Blood, played by Carolina Maine was not who like that her, her her manner and her image was not what I'd pictured at all I don't think it was what anyone pictured um, but she was it the uh, you know, her audition you know, she'll t- she tell anyone this but like she uh, she was doing the tape for her friend who was auditioning for another character she'd not been asked to audition because she wasn't irish um and so uh but she was like i'm going to just send in a tape and did and the casting director just i think begrudgingly sent it to us because she was like this this dumb girl has sent us this <laughs> bloody thing but she's good and we watched it and we were like she's it and 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 that was completely thrilling and with other characters like we casting you know, I, Casting the character of Michael, who's the younger brother, we found that that was very difficult. And I started to realize it was because that character wasn't very well developed. And like, you can't look at 30 great actors and go, they're all crap. Yeah. Like, eventually, and, and you know, when you're at that stage anyway, you're all great. And I, re- I really want to tell actors this all the time like, if you're in our box, you're, you're a great actor. It's just down to like, uh, is this the character and is this what we're imagining? And do you, do you look older than her or not? Uh, but with Michael, like for instance, I was like, I need to go and rethink this character. Um, but we cast a young guy who again was completely different to what we'd imagined and it was a lot cooler and a lot edgier just in his manner, but could play kind of forlorn and, and lost. But I did a lot of little rewrites to suit him, right. and, and 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 so I found. So I'm rambling on. Sorry, but I found that process fascinating and and illuminating. And I've always loved working with actors. I love what actors will do for your characters. And and Adrian Dunbar, which I can't not mention, like was our other lead, and he's just. I mean, he. I mean, I wrote it for him, in in a kind of ridiculous um, uh, moonshot, and then he wanted to do it. So that was that was crazy. But he. He was brilliant. He's incredible. Like, was that, did that answer your question? That, yeah, that was a really yeah. interesting answer. Sorry, it you. was a really interesting answer, but so it wasn't the no, answer. No, it was
1: the <laughs> answer. It was really. No, it was really, really helpful. Thank you.
2: I'm afraid we've only got one more question. Up the front, here? Sorry, I can't, I can't I can't actually see anyone. Is anyone there? <laughs>
6: um, I have a question for everyone. Um, so... Have you ever been a, have you ever been in a position whereby you've written a script, you've like visualized the idea, kind of how you imagine let's say this film or wherever it's gonna go, and then um they I guess film it or um like do like let's say the first stage and it doesn't or they may give like feedback and they they basically cut out a lot a lot of the things you've written and it's like it'll like differ from what you've what you what kind of what you've pictured and well, you know the message. The message you kind of want to come out of it. It's been away from that. How do you deal with that? And um, um, if you, and if you don't like what's come out, if you don't like the outcome of it, um, do you kind of like, not protest, but like, kind of go back and say, but this is what I want. Um, and yeah, how do you, how do you go about doing that? Because I feel like it's that's really a fear question. I have about writing. It's like someone's gonna so, come and say, yeah. they're gonna like they're gonna remove they're gonna, they're gonna remove some ideas or bits. And then the message is just just going to get lost. How do you do with that?
3: That's a really
2: um, good question.
3: Very brief. I'll, I'll try not to. I'll try not to hog all the limelight. But um, very briefly, um, B- blood was different because I was an exec, and there was nothing really like that I couldn't actually protest about. And and but also we were. It was such a small team that decisions that were made. We were in the room for you know. So nothing ever really shocked us. But I think what you'll experience a lot as a newer writer and I'll still experience this all the time when you're contributing, when you start contributing episodes to things and you're not the overall creator, you will be given autonomy in so far as the script process really, but you know, the notes will kind of pull you away from what you want. But ultimately when you're writing things down, they're things that you chose to write down. Then you'll start seeing edits that you have no control over and you start seeing performances that you weren't there to see and direction that you weren't there to witness. And, and, and invariably, things will come out that you're like, "Oh my god, why? Why did? Why did you think that was a good idea?" And bec- half the time, because you weren't in the room to see why everything else didn't work. Um, and I think I, I, it, it, you you sort of get used to it. But I, I'd always say, like, cling to the things that make you proud of it anyway, and and try as try as hard as you can to enjoy the scripting process, to like find things in it that you love and to find, especially when they're telling you to write things that you just think are rubbish, find find the you in it and try and put as much of yourself into it as possible so that you have something to kind of cling to. And when it comes out and if, if you're, like, not happy with it, it, trying to just emotionally distance yourself from it as much as you can. Or I it's, it's so hard to just be mentally healthy about the whole thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's incredibly hard. And I, there's not really an answer. I, eventually, I think you just become a little bit anaesthetised to it. Um, if you develop a good relationship with the team they will show you more and 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 it's it never it never hurts to ask it never hurts to ask politely hey why was this decision made or i'm interested to see that that scene went i'd love to know and half the time it's just time but i think the more you learn about how the sausage gets made the more it doesn't feel as painful when you realize a pig died like I mean, uh, yeah <laughs> it, 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 if that helps i mean
2: Oh, I was Just quickly, most of the time, if you're a show creator, you will end up being close to the production, and being in the edit is so important because that's where so many decisions are made. So, Giovanni,
5: um, just at an earlier stage, when I when I've been pitching different ideas um, or, or or a script in different production companies, there'll be some production companies who I'm like, or someone there who I'm like, oh, they get what I want to do, and if if I get the feeling that I'm talking like I'm, uh, but if I get the feeling that I'm like. They don't really get it that much, or if it, if it it depends. If I'm really close to the idea, some ideas I'm like, you can have this one, that's fine. If there's a cl- an idea that I'm like, I really want to make this. This is my story that I really want to tell. Very, I have a specific way of telling it. Then I'll just keep it. I won't let it go, and until I'm I found someone who's like, yeah, actually, I do want to make that. So I think that happens a lot with people who are creating shows because they like even with your blood show that you were like, you know, you you waited for the right moment because some people will be like no no, no. but then some people will be like oh yeah actually that i really like that um so i, I think just knowing yeah if you have one thing that you are like no i'm not going to compromise on this and just keeping that as your p- p- special project and then find when you're more developed more when you, people trust you more then you can make it like the way you want if that makes sense
4: no it's exactly the same exactly the same yeah i think um something that you mentioned earlier about like yeah finding Finding a producer that gets you. Like, I think that's one thing that I've learned the most when I first started. Uh, I think my production company, as I go back, I don't think that they were necessarily the best production company for me. Like, if I could do it again, I probably wouldn't take my show to them because I had to learn so much. Uh, in very positive ways because I've got an amazing show but there was quite a few negative ways as well and I think I didn't read the people in the room as well as I should have and I think if when I go into my next project I'm much more aware of do you get what I'm doing as opposed to oh you're a fancy production company I'm going to go with you so yeah that's how I would kind of play it
2: That's a really good question I think we'd love to talk longer, but we've totally run out of time. Uh, So, just want to say a big thank you to Sophie, Daniel, and Shivani. Commission all their shows and watch Time Wasters.